That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Okay, everybody, here we are, the uh, Boxing Day episode of the same old song. So, uh, for the first Sunday after Christmas. And so, um, um, yeah, we've got to get we got to get right to this, Aaron. Our readings today are Isaiah 61 verses 10, 62 to 63, uh, Galatians chapter three, and then uh, John one and a little one bit of chapter 18. four. Yeah, and a little bit of chapter four. Well, let's just jump right into it because this is well. First of all, this is uh, New Year's Eve, and um, and uh, you know, first Sunday after Christmas. Um, I don't know. You could do um, a wonderful teaching on the, uh, you know, the seventh day of Christmas or the eighth day of Christmas, or I don't know. But what would you say? <laughs> well, just know that people. Will, Two clergymen who are extremely busy trying to cram an yeah. episode together. So. That's right. That's right. So it's it's the fifth Sunday of December. It's. Um, for us, that means it's going to be morning prayer, so it'll be sort of a chiller Sunday. But it's New Year's Eve, um, uh, which is a time when the world says, okay, it's it's like Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement for like the, the secular version. It's like everybody gets a restart starting January 1. We wipe the slate clean. I mean, um, yeah, New Year's Eve functions as this great secular um uh, forgiveness moment and like try hard and and it's like the it's the whole Charlie Brown thing where Lucy would hold the football and she would always yank it away at the last minute and um, when he tried to kick it um, and then he would try again and she was okay this time I won't move it so we all have this movement um, at New Year's Eve where we're like okay this time I'm gonna do it I'm gonna get my life together and we make a resolution or whatnot or an intention that's the language now we set an intention um, and I'm, I think that the Bible and the scriptures are sort of um, skeptical of human efforts at self-improvement. They usually don't work out. Um, and so I think the service you can do for your people on Sunday, December 31st, is to preach the gospel of grace, that they are loved, um, regardless of how their New Year's resolutions go. Um, I, I don't set them, actually. But, I mean, it's a good time to reflect, et cetera, but it's quick, very easy to quickly get into just sort of the law and, and, and lectures to oneself. So I think the the word in Isaiah 61, I will jo- rejoice greatly in the Lord. And it's, again, like we've, these, these themes over and over through the Advent and Christmas season have been about what God is doing. God will cause righteousness and praise. Um, uh, uh, God has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. So if you want to talk about Christmas, what, what Christmas means, it means we don't have to do the covering of ourselves in robes of righteousness. Um, and that's a great image to talk about New Year's resolutions. We want to kind of put on this, it's a new me, new year, new me. Put on this robe of righteousness, but no, it's not us that puts it on ourselves. It's God who does it. And that robe of righteousness is the righteousness of Christ, which is given to you. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. Nothing you have to do to earn it. So if I was preaching on Isaiah 61, that's what I would say. 
What about you, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I think you can tie this in too. I mean, you, you have a prophet prophesying to people who have been in exile. They've come out now, they're, but they've accused God of hiding, accused him of keeping silent, you know, of feeling abandoned. They've suffered a lot. And maybe you have probably a few folks in your congregation who are coming to church this day because they have been through the family uh, ringer, you know, um, and uh, what this particular passage reminds us of is that uh, despite the family ringer that you may have gone through, God has spoken to you. And, uh, and, uh, and that even the ringer, uh, for, for the people of Isaiah, the exile has a purpose. And uh, the ringer that you're going through has a purpose. Um, I once uh, heard uh, somebody say, um, um, God, uh, God permits what he abhors to... Uh, to enable eventually what he loves. And uh, God uh, is working this purpose out to bring about um, uh, your, uh, your salvation and ultimately uh, his glory. And so um, uh, this is really, I think, what's going on is that he is here in the midst of people who are kind of ticked off at him and he is assuring them and reminding them that his promises are true. And we move now to the readings from Galatians 3, just the verses at the end of chapter 3, and then skipping ahead a little bit to chapter 4, verses mm. 4 through 7. And it's Paul talking about what God has done in Jesus Christ. And it's so important. He says, now before faith came, um, faith in Christ, he talks about what our life was like, guarded under the law, imprisoned under the law. And this is Paul saying this really shocking thing for somebody who was raised in that tradition of being um, people of the book, people of the law, the Torah. He's saying that that was um, that that has now come to an end in a sense that the law was good but it could not bring about what it demanded and so now we are freed we are redeemed we are no longer people who are servants that are given orders to follow but we are now children uh, and we have this relationship with God who we call Abba Father and so this is a, a just a, again antidote to the whole world which says you are not good enough you have to measure up instead what we see in Christ is that we have been um, given in a true sense a new and fresh start the new year promises this new start but really you're kind of the same person um, uh, and um, all you know something like 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by Valentine's Day um, most of them fail by January 2nd. But um, this is a description of justification by faith, that you are you are not pronounced holy and righteous and good because you have achieved your New Year's resolutions. You're pronounced holy and righteous and good because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. He's done this work in our hearts. New Year's resolutions affect the outside. God, as it says, has sent the spirit of a son into our hearts. Um, we, are, we are made children of God. So that's what I would say about Galatians chapter 3 and 4. Jake? No, you've said it all. I mean, I think another thing, powerful thing you can do to really bring this home is just replace the word faith uh, with whatever um, people are putting their hope in to get them through the middle of the night. You know, I mean, now before Jesus came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith, until Jesus would be revealed. Uh, but now that Jesus has been revealed, um, uh, and that's the new thing that God is doing, is, is that the way he relates to you is completely different. He relates to you uh, by faith alone. He relates to you by grace alone uh, in his son, Jesus alone. Nobody has a problem with faith, uh, grace, and Jesus. It's the alone part that a lot of people have problems with. But uh, and a mm. great illustration of the law as being described here as a disciplinarian. If you look at the Greek, a disciplinarian was a very, very hard teacher. They typically were a slave in the court of a very um, 
and hadn't received the inheritance, hadn't been made a son yet, but they watched over the kids and they typically were extremely, extremely harsh. And this is Paul's point here. Why do you want to go back to that? A beautiful, um, uh, a beautiful illustration of that is in this new movie, The Holdovers. And um, uh, uh, the yeah. character there, the teacher, is an amazing... Paul like, um, Paul Giannotti plays an amazing disciplinarian. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. But um, eventually, you know, in losing everything, uh, he gains everything. And nothing's totally resolved at the end of that movie, but there is new life. And uh, that movie is pure grace. And uh, that's what Jesus offers us, being born under the law in order to fulfill it alone. Um, it begins by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We can cry out to our Abba and Father alone because everything's been changed. Uh, and that's what um, the people in Isaiah didn't understand. And uh, that's probably what the people in your congregation are wrestling with because their lives are hidden in Jesus. They are not slaves, but they are children's and heirs of God. Yeah, the only problem with that movie is that the priest in the beginning is a Roman Catholic priest wearing a purple chasuble. And if uh, it wanted to be more accurate, it would be a an Anglican, an Episcopal priest wearing a cassock surplus and a blue stole. But well, I I cribble, probably, that I guy cribble. probably went to general. No, I'm just kidding. Their liturgical consultant was, <laughs> yeah. was uh, so, lacking. But uh, a little high church. So, but, uh, um, yeah. but we come to now John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And believe me, you could, uh, you could preach an entire sermon series on this particular text. But is there anything you'd want to hammer home or uh, hone in on, Aaron, specifically? Well, the key thing is the Word became flesh and lived among us. Uh, and this is always the reading for the first Sunday after Christmas. It's also the reading for Christmas Day, so often. So if you're preaching on Christmas Day, December 25th, you, your people get a double dose. But like you said, you can never hear enough of this. Um, uh, and um, the fact that the Word, this great cosmic logos of God, um, the fact that the Word has become flesh means that God, God has said that being human is a good thing, that you are beloved, uh, and you are redeemed. It's just, it's so spectacular um, what it would take for this divine, other, transcendent God to come and be in a human body so that he could be next to us and save us. It, it shows what the heart of God is. And many people think the heart of God is judgmental, cruel, capricious, checked out. But if God is willing to come and be a human among us, and save us and die for us and rise again. This is something, uh, it's, it's, it implies that God has already forgiven you. Um, it's like I think about when somebody for Christmas buys you a gift, um, an expensive, valuable, think about the best gift you've ever gotten. Even before you've received the gift, what it means about the heart of the giver is that giver loves you totally. And so for the word to become flesh and live among us means that God loves you totally. Um, and if you have any idea what this means, John makes it clear. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. Um, this is what the Father's heart is, John says, is to make this grace known in Christ. This, And so if you have people leaving your congregation um, in any doubt whatsoever of God's love for them, your, your goal as preachers is to have them not feel that way, but to feel the love of God because God has come into our lives as a human being. He, the Word has become flesh. God, there's no boundary too high. There's no, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no river wide to keep me from running to you, as the song goes, um, that God will run to you because um, that's how much he loves you. That's what it means for the word to become flesh. One little final point is if you, uh, I, I always make a point of this, that there are many preachers who will think that when, because it's a reading from John's gospel, that the John that's being talked about in this passage is 
to John who wrote the gospel. It is not obviously you know, preacher, that it's John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. But if you're going to talk about that, just make it clear that it's uh, someone else. Yeah, I would say two things, too, um, about this. Is that um, uh, about the incarnation? And and this is what John is getting at, too, is why the incarnation? You know what I mean? And uh, the incarnation, as you've just said, behavior modification came through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. And so we need the incarnation because you and I aren't good enough to stand before God on our own. We need someone like us in every way, yet without sin, baptized for us, obedient for us, living for us. This ties into Paul and Galatians dying for us, rising for us, fulfilling the law totally for us. And the other thing what this means, too, is, is that it means that Jesus is somewhere very, very specific. And uh, and uh, and he continues to come to you. God, You don't go to God, but God continues to come to you. And he comes to you in the mystery of the word that comes ringing in your ears. And he comes to you in bread that is his wine, bread that is his body and wine that is his blood. And he continues to come to you uh, when water is sprinkled on your head. It's these means that we find the incarnation today, word and sacrament. And... Um, and uh, that is good news because it reminds you that you're forgiven and that by faith we stand justified before God. Amen. So, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Because uh, we're still in, in the 12 days Jesus of Christmas. Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.